Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise! The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years! The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, the Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. The linden Good is Yes, the linden is all in bud, and soon, soon it will bloom. Oh my goodness! How exciting! How wonderful! Yes, yeah. it tight really, here, really is. I taught this weekend um, at Nova Spa in Connecticut, a place that I've been quite a few times. And there was a woman there who's been to several of my other classes there, and she said that she insisted this year that her doctor do a test for C-reactive protein. And the doctor said, why do you even want that test? And she said, well, I want to know, you know, how healthy my blood vessels are. 
And the doctor says, oh, well, that's not really important. And she said, well, it's a marker of inflammation, and I think inflammation is really important. So rather reluctantly, the doctor did indeed test her for C-reactive protein and her C-reactive protein. And she absolutely claims that it's because of the infusions was so low that it hardly even registered on the test. Oh, wow. Cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And she said that she can – She really agrees with me about what a wonderful anti-inflammatory linden is and that it has mm-hmm. worked better for her than any other anti-inflammatory. Yeah, and I feel like anytime like I eat something, you know, that's like out of my typical diet and I always make a linden infusion because I feel like it helps with, you know, any of that that like inflammation that might be caused like right there from the get-go, you know, it's like it really helps with the digestive system and, like, your immune system and stuff. So very good preventative for other problems occurring. Yes, really wonderful to counter inflammation. And, of course, inflammation is behind almost every disease that troubles us. Mm-hmm. I think that it's one of the major reasons that people feel so much better so fast when they start drinking the nourishing herbal infusion is that inflammatory process slows down and then stops. Yeah. And that makes you feel better all over everywhere. Yeah. Um, it does. And not just the the linden, but also the comfrey has that that effect too. And um, sorry, absolutely. Mhm. I know that more people like linden than like comfrey. That linden is light and flowery and pretty easy to drink. And comfrey. Yeah, it took me many years. To really uh, form a relationship with comfrey, but now, now it's like my <laughs> I have such a good relationship with comfrey that I mean it's it's funny. I'm always turning people on to it, but I I will admit that like if I if I do um, like for children and for like people, I'll I do mix the herbs because I feel like you know. It, for people to just drink it straight is a lot for them. But, like, if you put some, like, hibiscus and elderflower in with it, then they don't even know the comfrey's in there. It's, like, <laughs> such a, yeah. This, so for comfrey, sneaky. you know, but it myself, I don't mix herbs. You especially notice how much lower inflammation is in your body during the summertime. Because several things happen in the summertime that often trigger inflammation. Flying, biting things, right? Like mosquitoes and mm-hmm. black flies and deer flies and horse flies and all kinds of things that fly around and bite you. And you notice when you've been drinking the nourishing herbal infusions for a while that although they still bite you, doesn't swell up and itch the way it used to. Mm-hmm. The swelling is much more moderate. The itching is, if it's there at all, gone pretty quickly. 
Mm-hmm. And poison ivy or poison oak. Another summertime treat for most of us to suddenly discover, oh dear, we must have been trumping through it. There it is between our toes, on our ankles, going up our legs. And I always show people, say, that's, that's what poison ivy looks like in a non-inflamed body. It doesn't look oozy or have those like fluid-filled blisters. It's just like a little dry rash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see people get it really, really bad here, and a lot of people have to resort to taking um, the steroids. And, yeah, it's amazing that if, when you, if you can, like, build your body up <laughs> to not have a reaction like that, that you don't have to take those. But once you start taking those, uh, the drugs to, to counteract that, it's like that's what your body relies on after that. What I notice is that the body is always willing to use the best of what it's offered. So if you've been taking mm-hmm. steroids, not that you're forever condemned to stay, take steroids, um, you can easily switch off to herbal things afterwards because your body will prefer to use the herbal things rather than the steroids. It's just making the commitment and following through with it, (laughs) I think, for most people. Yeah. I think that what you're saying is quite true, that if what seems easiest for you is to take steroids, then it is always going to seem easiest. But I don't Mm -hmm. think it's a physical dependence that your body gets. I've seen people who use steroids and decided that they have had it with that. They don't want to do that anymore. And... uh, they start working with herbs, and it, it seems to work quite well for them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, one of the things that we start doing <clears throat> as soon as it's poison ivy season here, and as soon as the jewelweed is big enough and the root is red enough, is we start making jewelweed broth. And we take the fresh jewelweed oh. with its red roots, and if there's red coming up the stem, so much the better and shove it into a pan, really just crush it into a pan, cover it with the cold water, bring it up to a boil, and let it cook until the water turns bright orange. And that can then be used both externally as a wash and internally as a drink, as a very powerful anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I wonder if it would be worth it to plant some jewelweed where I live. Do you think that that would be a plant that I should introduce to my to my landscape? Does it grow naturally around you? No, it doesn't, unfortunately. <laughs> but we don't it, have very we don't have any other like poison oak remedy. I mean, that's it works okay, but like, what's that? It is a weed. Yeah. So my my sense is if it's going to like growing somewhere, it probably will be growing there already. Mhm. Okay.
Osha, of course, is a, another possibility. So rarer plant grows further away from people. So I don't promote its use. It's obviously telling us that it doesn't want to be used a lot. But tiny amounts of it, like two to four drop doses, can be used to stop inflammation immediately. Mm-hmm. If you get into a situ a panic situation with it. Yes, what? I am hyper I I hate to even say it, but I'm hyper aware of it and I don't get it very I mean, I rarely get it just because I've been out in it for so long that I like have like a keen eye for it. I'm like I'm so paranoid about it kind of, you know, so and my kids about, too. I've like about getting, trained them okay. too. You're paranoid about say it getting, again. You're Poison paranoid notes. about getting so I'm like, I have a, Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so we have a couple of your past apprentices that are going to be on the show tonight. That is exciting. Isn't that going to be fun? Lorene Wapitan yes. and Astrid Grove. And Lorene went from her apprenticeship here into outdoor education, and she came back for a great many years and would take apprentices out. Supposedly she was going to take them out on a twilight walk, but she always managed to keep them out until it was dark. And then make and then taught them how to make an emergency shelter in the woods. It was fun and exciting for me because of course I would go with them, but then I would have to make my way back through the woods in the dark without a flashlight to milk the goats while they were all doing an emergency shelter. And somebody has to take mm. care of the goats. So she has not been back for too many years to lead us astray here at the Wise Women Center. And I look forward to talking to Loreen and Astrid Grove has been doing so much. She also did a 13-week apprenticeship, and then she came back and lived here for a year as one of our best interns ever. Really helpful to the apprentices who were here when she was the intern. And then went on to study midwifery and now has two daughters of her own and a midwifery practice. And she started the Red Earth Herbal Gathering, and we are going to be talking about the Red Earth Herbal Gathering, about women, plants, and community this evening at 9 o'clock with Astrid and Laureen. So stay with us or come back at 9. You don't want to miss them. And I just had somebody uh, submit just a little question here, um, if you don't mind answering from it's actually from Facebook off of the the post that I put up for Blog Talk Radio today, and she said that she just would like your recommendation for a PNP with shingles, and that's all that it she's asking. But I wasn't sure what a PMP is. I'm not sure either. Shingles. Okay. Is a rash caused by a virus, the herpes virus. It's the same virus that gives us chickenpox, cold sores, genital herpes, uh, kind of an all-round bad news virus for most human beings. I've been seeing some really uh, 
bad cases of shingles. And lately, the shingles that I have seen before has been a reddening and distressed area on the skin, but I'm now seeing shingles where the skin is actually erupting and looking like a horrible poison oak or poison ivy rash with scabbing and real reddening and thickening of the skin. My personal preference for helping the body to get rid of the herpes virus, no matter how it's expressing itself, is hypericum tincture. And that's tincture of the fresh flowering tops of hypericum perforatum, known as St. John's wort. Of course, I call it St. Jones wort. And what burns more than a cold sore? What burns more than shingles, right? Again, we're taking something that cools and relieves burning to relieve burning, and it's also an antiviral. So it's directly killing the virus that's causing the shingles or the herpes. For faster results, I also like to use Hypericum oil or red oil, which is simply the flowering tops of the plant infused in some kind of good food-grade oil, like olive oil or coconut oil or almond oil, whatever oil you have at hand. Olive oil is the one that we tend to use. And I've actually seen people clear shingles within um, two to three days using the hypericum oil externally and dropperful doses of the tincture internally as frequently as every two or three hours. You don't have to take that much tincture, but not a problem if you do take that much tincture. Have you had any um, run-ins with shingles or herpes? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I'm not personally, but I have uh, helped some people through some herpes outbreaks because it can be super, um, you know, uncomfortable. And But my kids had molluscum, which was also a, a virus that's kind of similar to that, the herpes virus. And I, that's what I did for them was gave them the, the tincture internally uh, several times a day and then put the oil on. And they had it for a while, and I had tried some different stuff, and I was like, oh, it's a virus. Yeah, let's do uh, Hypericum. And then it went away really quickly within like a few days after um, I started giving them that. Yeah, it, it, it was it, very it, effective. Oh, it's actually almost miraculous. Yeah, yeah. How quickly And I just it gave goes. it to somebody recently for the same thing, and she also, yeah, said that it worked very quickly. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And this is even in people who've tried drugs, antiviral drugs, that haven't made much of an impact. Mm-hmm. And what I also find is that it really does kill the virus in other situations where antiviral drugs are given against shingles, um, I find it that it's pretty easy for it to come back. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening yeah. when, when hypericum is used. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't come back. And for herpes, too, I've heard that it, it makes the, the outbreaks less frequent and People have to use less of the the tincture and the oil over time as they've been using it. So that's pretty relieving for a lot of people. Yes, it's fascinating to me that, I mean, we always say, well, herbs are not drugs, but there's so much more than not drugs. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because as we're saying, wow, you know, what happens is that it actually teaches your body how to not get infected with that virus. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, this kills the virus. We're going to take this and it will kill the virus. Then here's a drug that kills the virus. And so they're rather similar. No, they really could not be more different. Yeah, yeah, it's like it really brings the true meaning of an ally to <laughs> your consciousness because it's like, okay, I mean, you're really like allying yourself with these these plants and working with them in a, a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, oh, um, I think that's the, so we're done answering that question. And we have uh, several people waiting online. If you have a question for Susan, please press 1. And we will go to the first caller. All right. In the 718 area. All right. In the 718 area code. Hi, Susan. I wanted to know what would be good herbs for, like, traveling, like for a traveling kit? What would be some herbs to um, to take along? Well, the herb that we were just talking about, Hypericum perforatum, mm-hmm. both oil form and tincture form, is an okay. herb that I always take with me when I travel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I'm going to be gone from home for more than two weeks, I will take two bottles of a Hypericum tincture with me. Not only is it an antiviral, but it's a muscle relaxer. And frequently when we travel, we exert ourselves more than we do at home. And it's good to have a little something that helps to relax the muscles. My sweetheart and I went on a horseback riding trip in Provence. And it was an end-to-end trip. And we didn't ride on roads. We actually went cross-country from one end to another. And I thought that they were kind of, you know, exaggerating when they said that, you know, we would be in the saddle five or six hours a day. But they weren't at all. And at the Mm -hmm. end of the after being in the saddle that long as I slid rather ungracefully to the ground managing somehow not to crumple into a heap on the ground I went into the house, got into a hot shower All right, took a dropper full of Hypericum tincture when I got out of the shower I rubbed the Hypericum oil all over the parts of my body that were aching took another dropper full of the tincture went to dinner, came back, took another dropper full of the tincture and by the time I woke up in the morning I was ready to do it again Amazing. So that's something that might come up more frequently than a viral infection when we're traveling mm-hmm. if and sore muscles. I also find that if I take a dropper full of hypericum tincture while I'm sitting waiting in the waiting room for the plane, and then another dropper full after I've buckled my seatbelt but before we've taken off, and then another dropper full every couple of hours while I'm on the plane that I don't have any jet lag. Oh, wow. Last year I traveled um, with a new traveling companion, and Mm -hmm. I encouraged her to take Hypericum when I was. It was pretty easy since I offered her some every time I took some. And (laughs) she said to me with much astonishment, because she has grandchildren on the West Coast, and we were flying to the West Coast and then home again. And so she does that flight frequently, and she said that, lo and behold, she really didn't have any jet lag. That's incredible. 
So that's a wonderful um, plant to take with us, both in oil form and in tincture form. I, of course, take yarrow tincture with me. Okay. And yarrow tincture, like St. John's Wort, has a variety of uses. I carry it in a spray bottle. And I can use it to spray myself to prevent insects from attacking me. I can also spray it on my toothbrush. And that way I don't have to bring toothpaste with me. I can spray it on my face. It's a nice facial. Yarrow is antibacterial, so if I get cut or in any way injured, I can put yarrow on it, and not only does it prevent bacterial infections, it hastens healing and numbs the pain. Yarrow tincture can be taken internally to increase urination and to increase sweating and to reduce menstrual bleeding. Yarrow tincture has been used because of its antibacterial effects against almost all kinds of sicknesses that have a fever with them. So lots of uses for yarrow, eh? Yes, yes. Yeah, with those two alone, you are a world traveler. Now, Mm -hmm. my parents in their 60s decided that it would be fun to go to India (laughs) and to take trains around India. Of course, no, they didn't really know what they were getting into, but I knew at least a little of what they were getting into. And so I gave them each a one-ounce bottle of wormwood tincture. And I said to them, whatever you drink, I don't care what it is, if you're drinking coffee or tea or Coca-Cola or even water, which no one advises that you drink in India, you must add to it one to two drops of this wormwood tincture. And so my parents traveled around India on trains. Yes, you know, they soon learned that they had to have a plate if they wanted to eat because the walla with the food would come by, you know, with the bar across the shoulders and a pan dangling from either end, one of dal and one of rice. And either you put your utensil or your hand in the pan and scoop some out onto your plate, or the food walla did it. And that's how you ate. And my parents faithfully put their wormwood tincture into everything they drank, and they did not have a single episode of diarrhea the entire time they were in India. I don't usually use it because I'm not usually in places where I would have so little access to water that's worth drinking or water Mm -hmm. that I could trust if it's been boiled. I took a rafting trip down the Green and Colorado Colorado Rivers, and there's a lot of Giardia in those waters. And when you go through a rapid, you do not shut your mouth. You open your mouth and scream for all you are worth. And, of course, the water is rushing and splashing. And there's simply no way to not get Giardia. On the plane ride home from that adventure, I began to burp sulfurous burps, which is the first uh, 
symptom and signal that you have that giardia are multiplying inside your body. I got out my wormwood tincture and I took four drops. And every 20 minutes on the ride home on the airplane, I took another four drops of a wormwood tincture. It tastes very bitter. It tastes very bad. It's not a fun thing to do. By the time uh, we landed, I had used nearly half an ounce of wormwood, and I never had another sulfurous burp and never had a giardia infection. So, like, if you if getting um, food poisoning when in another country, would that would that help? It could. It might be helpful, but I find it better as a preventative. Preventive. Okay. I take three elm balls with me. If I get food poisoning, I'm gonna eat a slippery on ball. Because the slippery um, elm not only counters the food poisoning, it actually absorbs it and carries it out of your body. Now, in reference, like uh, what you were mentioning for about shingles, I don't know if it's the same family, but um, in the area where I live, there's some active cases of measles right now, and I'm just wondering, is that also a virus? Like, that that would be good to use St. John's wort, you know, if if I would get it, you know, hopefully not. But if that would happen, would that also be a go-to herb? It's certainly a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's not in the same family. Chicken pox is what's in the same family. Measles is quite there. Oh, okay. Right. And the real tragedy of measles is that if a woman has measles while she's pregnant, her child will likely be deaf. Mm. It's one of the reasons why we have worked so hard to establish universal immunization against measles. Right. Why people involved in public health are so upset about the measles outbreaks. Mm-hmm. In my new book, Abundantly Well, I focus some light on the fact that um, several international bodies find ultrasound quite unsafe for developing Mm -hmm. fetuses, and that there's some preliminary um, evidence that the brain tissue can be very easily damaged by ultrasound during the early gestational period, and that, in fact, sonograms and ultrasound are much more likely to be behind the increase in autism than vaccinations. That's really really good to know. In fact, as you probably know, the original so-called study showing a link between autism and vaccinations was a lie from start Mm -hmm. to finish. The scientist made it up. He has since been disbarred from doing science. His, you know, information has Mm -hmm. been widely, you know, um, circulated as a complete story. There was nothing. It It wasn't even a study. He just made the whole thing up. And yet somehow it persists that people wish to believe this thing, that this person, for no good reason, Right, just made up. The only reason that he gave was he wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I, very, I, it's very I sad to me that this big lie somehow has become some people's truth. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, it's a, it's, it's a I often point out to the fact that um, 
the idea that there might be a link between autism and vaccinations, immunizations, has actually been brought to the U.S. Supreme Court three times. They actually heard on this on three different instances. So three different Supreme Courts heard on this, and all three times they found insufficient evidence to link autism to any immunization or to any group of immunizations. I certainly understand that people can be fooled, but I believe that the more people there are, the less likely it is that those people are fooled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's like an, there's a kind of a group where, where I live, and they're, you know, not choosing to, to vaccinate. I, I was vaccinated, but um, a lot of the little children that age, that they're not age appropriate yet. So that's how it's kind of they're getting it, and it's, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm really scared of this kind of thing. There are a lot of people who have quite a bit of wisdom and knowledge who are scared, too. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's a somewhat unusual situation where we have um, a so-called you know, piece of knowledge that simply isn't at all. And as individuals, it's difficult because it's not really just an individual decision. It's a, a decision where many individuals make up a community decision. Right. I mean, I for many years I taught in communities where nobody in the community had in, gotten any immunizations for their children, and I saw children die. I saw them die of whooping cough. I saw them die of mumps. I saw them die of scarlet mm-hmm. fever. I saw kids die because they had not been immunized against contagious childhood diseases. And I saw the incredible disruption that it caused in many of those mm-hmm. families, even if the child did survive it. But to be sick with whooping cough for months and months it really takes a toll. So uh, certainly... Mm-hmm individual person needs to make their own decisions and to make those decisions with the best information that is out there, but it can be very difficult to figure out what the best information is because the people who seem to be making a case against them do what I call sleight-of-hand science. So they tell you something that sounds like it has scientific backing but it actually doesn't because it's actually two steps away from the actual thing. So you do oh. need to just really be careful what it is you're reading and mm-hmm. to follow it up, go all the way back to the studies. If you can't find the actual studies, then somebody's making it up, and there is a, a lot of supposed made-up facts, as we know in the current public view on many mm-hmm. things. Not an easy time to separate the chaff from the actual grain. Oh, thank you for making that clear to me so I could feel more confident in, you know, in how I felt about it. I appreciate that. You're and, welcome. And like the infusions, I do the infusion, so that should be like good for immune system. Very wonderful for your immune system, without a doubt. Okay, great. Thank you, Susan, again. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Oh, good night.
And just another little shout out for Hypericum, since we've been talking about it so much, is that how helpful it is for growing pains for children. My children, my older son, I used to use it on him, but uh, my younger son right now has been having some bad growing pains and um, has been loving having his legs rubbed with Hypericum, and then it helps him sleep. So. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, that's so beautiful. I remember those horrible leg cramps when I was growing. Oh. Mhm. And he loves the smell of it, and he just, yeah, he's really, it's really sweet. So, such a sweet thing to do is massage his legs with a hypericum oil. Ah, and such a sweet <laughs> mother-son time too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know. I love because it's not always sweet. <laughs> uh, right, so exactly. Like, you, be, you know, coming up on five can be pretty feisty. So. Yep. <laughs> and our next caller is coming from the 425 area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi, this is Julie from Snohomish. And my cousin is visiting here, and he has a very um, – troublesome-looking finger, and he's here to ask you a question about it, so I'm going to turn him over to you, okay? All right. Hi. Um, my name Hi. is Chris. Um, nice to nice to hear you. Um, I'm a beekeeper, and um, part of what I do is build, build hives for my bees so that I can control and improve their, their habitat. And the material that I use, I live in California. I use redwood uh, because it's highly durable and uh, the, the bees um, take to it well. So I, I, I built my own hives. And about three or four years ago, I built a, hive, a set of hives and got a deep redwood splinter in one finger and got most of it out, but I don't think I got all of it out. And it, it healed up, and I was having no problems with it. But um, about nine months ago, I was laying some brick, doing some heavy work with my hands, and pulling pulling weeds, and uh, it swelled up just in that the middle joint pretty severely. Uh, it's not painful if I don't use it, but uh, it's probably 50% increased in terms of circumference around the finger. And range of motion is probably decreased by about half. Um, and I've had an MRI on on the finger. They they said it was indicative of a um, damage to a ligament in terms of the swelling, but uh, they did not see any type of material in the finger. And so what my my thought was that maybe what I what I have because redwood is so toxic as I've as I've come to understand, that um, maybe that over time migrated into the joint and my action, heavy action with the hand, aggravated it so that now I'm having symptoms. So I was curious if any of the infusions that, that, that you work with uh, would be specific to redwood, if you've had any experience with the toxicity of redwood. Well, what you're calling the toxicity of redwood is why you use it to make beehives. Yes. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's exactly it that, that you say it's durable. Yep, that's why it's durable. Yeah. 
because so, it, I mean, the alter- because I'm nothing sorry. wants to eat it. Mold doesn't want to eat it. Bacteria don't want to eat it. Insects don't want to eat it because yuck! It has a lot of mm, oils and resins in there that are not good to living tissues. True. I'm I am not so sure that. I completely agree with the story that you're telling. I hear that you got a splinter in your finger, and it's certainly possible that that splinter impacted the ligament. I am uncertain as to whether or not there's still any part of that in your finger or whether the work has caused the splinter, a little bit of the splinter itself, to do anything. I think that there has probably been some ligament damage from it. I think you're right about that. And that the hard work really caused that ligament to swell up. And what's really interesting about ligament injuries is that they can be injured, and you, so long as you don't misuse it, um, it hardly hurts at all. But as right. soon as you misuse it, it's like, like somebody slammed your hand on a car door. Well, I mean, at this point, it's 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 just use it rather than abuse or misuse. Exactly. Right. It, yes. it, it it was triggered Any triggered use. by perhaps heavy use. I'm I'm 68 so, years old. So when you had the splinter health, in there bef- at the first, the the redwood splinter, how did you get it out? I dug it out. Okay. I mean, it was, it was so by digging it out, it's quite possible that what you did was to create a chamber or a place in your finger where infection could grow. Always better with a splinter to soak it out. By soaking it out... Yes, by soaking it out, what happens is that you soak the area in warm water, and as you know, by sitting in a bathtub, the skin absorbs that water. And it causes a swelling that pushes the splinter out from the inside. If it doesn't come out right away, pus will form around it, and then another soak, and that pus will add to the pressure there and will help push it out. Right. If you have particularly tough skin or if it's on the bottom of your foot where there's very tough skin, you may need to use a sterilized needle to make a little hole just to get the start of the splinter to come out. Mm -hmm. But again, digging is generally not advised. Spraying or dripping yarrow tincture on the wound will help to prevent infection and especially help prevent prevent infection from going deep in there. Juliet DeBerkeley Levy used to talk to us about these kinds of, she called them deep bone infections that people would get when they would work outside with their hands and they would get injured by rose thorns or various things, and that there wasn't anything left in the hand, but that because they dug it out, rather than letting the body push it out, that they had introduced that pocket of infection. Right, right. Which kind of simmered so what, what was, and then just kind of exploded. What was surprising to me, I'm sorry, you, you very well may be right in terms of Maybe it's a separate issue, particularly yeah. given that, that, that three or four years had passed. What was unusual was, you know, at first they suspected it might be rheumatic, 
but all my other fingers are, are fine. <laughs> it's just that one. So it has to be an injury of some kind. Yeah. No. I think you're right. I think there was definitely an injury there. And, of course, all the nourishing herbal infusions are going to help. But you might want to double up on comfrey. Because comfrey okay. really helps repair tendons and ligaments. And you can take the spent herb from the comfrey infusion. Be sure to do the double brew on it. If you don't know how to do that, I'll go over it with you. No, I, I do. Okay. And then be sure to take the spent comfrey and just stick it in a bowl and stick your hand into that comfrey leaf. Mm. If it feels good to you to warm it up, put a little water in it and warm it up and stick your hand in the warm comfrey, you know, wet comfrey leaf. As much time as you can spend with the joint that hurts in that comfrey leaf, warm or room temperature or cool, whatever feels better to you is just fine. Uh, The more result you'll see. And then, like when I had a tendon or a ligament injury, I usually spend the first 7 to 10 days pretty much drinking only comfrey. Mm. And I back off from it and do it every second or third day for another couple of weeks, and then it becomes part of my five that I rotate through. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that a well, and I appreciate the advice. I thank you for listening, and I am hoping that you'll call back at some point and let us know how it turns out. I sure will. Green blessings. <coughs> Green blessings to you. The next caller is coming from the 713 area code. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. Uh, How are you today? I am doing really well. It's a beautiful day here in the Catskills. How are you doing? doing all right myself. Um, I'm actually calling in with a question about my cat. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm wondering if you have any suggestions of how I can um, treat him naturally or holistically. Um, so He's 12 years old, and the first week of May, uh, he had a seizure. And so I took him into the emergency uh, veterinarian, and they did blood work and checked all his levels and everything. And, um, you know, they said it's probably neurological, but it would cost, $2,000 for all the, you know, MRI, and they'd have to put them under, and even then, you know, it's it's a diagnostic tool and not a treatment, Um, and they said he did have a faint heart murmur, which it could be related to that, Uh, so he's been fine ever since, hasn't had another episode, but um, about two weeks ago, he started to uh, kind of anxiously pick at his lower abdomen in his uh, penis. 
and then he started urinating some blood and um, was acting irritated, you know. So I, I again took him into the vet, and they diagnosed him with stress cystitis. <coughs> so they gave him um, a five-day course of muscle relaxer and pain medication, which he was pretty stoned for about five days, and then kind of came back to his normal self, but all of a sudden he started to be picking at himself again, and so I I don't know if you have any suggestions. It's not unusual for male cats to get cystitis. Unfortunately, it can be mm-hmm. fairly it can be fairly common among male cats. Corn silk, which is the dried silk of corn, like corn on the cob, mm-hmm. can be brewed into a strong tea. Most animals will drink any herb if it's mixed with milk. Okay. So that's what I usually do, rather than just offer the animal the herb, I mix it with some milk and offer it that way. Do you just leave it? Making like, sure that um, your making sure that your cat has <clears throat> lots of different places to go and get water. Okay. And be very helpful in dealing with a cat who has cystitis. Just like with a person, right? If a mm-hmm. woman feels like she's getting a bladder infection, one of the first things we say is drink more. Mm-hmm. And some cats are quite fussy about their water and won't take a second drink from a bowl. So you may fill their bowl up every day, but they're only drinking from it once because they won't come back and drink again from it. Mm-hmm. So by having multiple places that where your cat can go and get water, and that gives those fussy cats a way around that. I have a tiny little motor in a bowl which just bubbles the water. And my cat finds that infinitely preferable to any still water. Okay. I know that the major brands of cat food are formulated to help prevent cystitis in cats, and that's the dried cat foods. So... If you're uncertain, you could, there's usually a toll-free number on the bag of cat food that you're using or the can of cat food that you're using, and you can call the maker and say, my cat has had two rounds of cystitis. Is your food possibly a causative agent here? Okay. And they should actually be able to tell you. If you do decide to switch your cat's food, do it slowly, adding a little of the new food into the old and just gradually switching out. Again, cats can be fussy about having their feed changed. And in addition to corn silk, if there's active infection, herbalists use uva ursi 
or yarrow as a bladder disinfectant. Both can be found as tinctures, and cats can react very badly to tinctures, foaming at the mouth and looking quite crazy. So we don't ever want to put a tincture directly in a cat's mouth. Again, that tincture can be put into a small amount of milk and then given to the cat in that way. If all else fails and you feel that it's very important to get the tincture into the cat, the cat can be rolled up in towel like a jelly roll. You get a dropper bottle with a plastic dropper, not a glass dropper, and you mix a dropper full of tincture with a couple of dropperfuls of milk and drip a little of it into the cat's milk. cat doesn't need a whole dropper full. The other thing that you might be able to do is to ask your cat directly what's troubling him. Has there been any change in your cat's environment? Is there a new cat in the house? No, I did move um, back in November. So, you know, that might have been a trigger for him, but it's been, you know, seven, eight months, um, and it's only recently that he's had that. But he's kind of always had kind of an anxious personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody, a friend of mine, her cat also has a heart murmur, and she has her cat on um, hemp capsules. But I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, on what kind of capsules? Uh, it's hemp capsules it's a brand called canna companion and they they encapsulate hemp uh stock and seed powder for cats and dogs and then they have an oil but it's very expensive and i'm just not sure if you know i mean i i would like to give the cat something i i feel like he's just an anxious cat anyways um and i'm trying to you know, enhance the environment to soothe him, but I don't know if hemp oil or powder is going to be something that is effective or if you think that's something worth trying. No, I don't. No, I don't think it's worth trying. If you think that your cat needs more essential fatty acids, offer your cat some sardines. Mhm. That would do far much more for your cat than hemp oil would. Yeah. Can you imagine a cat in the wild going up to a cannabis plant and chewing up the seeds? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you imagine a cat in the wild eating a sardine? Yes. Okay. I think it's pretty clear then what's going to work the best. Yeah. And my, um, I feel like you've talked about having cats on your farm before, and I don't know if you have a certain brand of cat food that you recommend or if you feed them, like, a raw food diet or... um, I don't know. 
I'm animals curious. on a animals on a farm are on the farm because they serve functions and they do things. Mm-hmm. Cats on a farm are there to keep the rodent population down. When you have other animals, and especially if you're giving those other animals grain, then that grain is going to attract mice and rats, mm-hmm. neither of whom are happy guests at my house. <laughs> Having a cat helps to ensure that there are fewer mice and definitely fewer rats. But it doesn't work if you are overfeeding your cat because then they're not interested in the mice and the rats. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that the cat actually has some interest in those things. So toward that end, I do not give my cats any particular thing. It depends on the cats. Some mm-hmm. of my cats have been incredibly fond of the goat's milk and will come right out to the barn and we have a bowl there and we give them goat's milk. Other cats I've had to encourage to learn to like the goat's milk, but it's certainly because it's something I produce, something that I do encourage my cats to consume is goat's milk. And then other than that, any good quality dry cat food is what they're offered. Mm-hmm. So do I feed them a raw diet? No, but I expect them to get a raw diet. Mm-hmm. And what I offer them is water with a bubbler and um Free, free access to any mice and rats that are silly enough to come and live here, as well as the dried cat food. And, mm-hmm. hey, if I'm eating sardines, my cat gets some sardines. Mm-hmm. You know what my cat really likes? My cat really likes hummus. Mm-hmm. I've had cats who really like winter squash. Mm-hmm. So I, I will offer them things and see what they like. Okay. Well, that all sounds very good. I really appreciate your input. Thanks for asking. What's your cat's name? Fatty. Fatty? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're all sending Fatty good wishes. I thank you so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from a private number. Hello? Hi, private number. Hi there. I'm calling because I'm wondering if I can make infusions out of alfalfa. I'm surrounded by it. What are you surrounded by? Alfalfa. And how do you come to be surrounded by alfalfa? I'm out in British Columbia, and it's... Mm -hmm. So it's being grown on a farm? No, it's being grown wild. It's growing wild? Yeah, they've uh, identified it as a a species that wasn't native to the area, but it's it's spread, and it's got nice purple flowers. How lovely. Alfalfa was an herb that was used a lot back in the 60s when I first got interested in herbal medicine. And I didn't like using alfalfa for several reasons. First of all, it was one of the earliest seeds to have systemic pesticides and herbicides added to it. Hmm. What that means is the seed itself is coated with herbicides and pesticides 
so that then as it grows, those herbicides and pesticides are expressed in every part of the plant. This is what's killing many of the honeybees. So I didn't like alfalfa for that reason. I also didn't like alfalfa because I'm a goat keeper, and alfalfa is really poisonous to goats. I had a dear friend who was keeping goats in California, and she didn't know that alfalfa was poisonous to goats. And she filled her barn with alfalfa hay, and within three days, her entire herd of goats was dead. So that did not make me warm up to alfalfa. I saw the good things that alfalfa did, and I cast around for something related to it, and red clover is what I came up with. What the Chinese people have come up with is astragalus, and both astragalus and red clover are wonderful members of the PNB family and do all of the things that alfalfa is said to do. Since you are surrounded by wild alfalfa, there's certainly no reason why you couldn't harvest and dry some of it and make an infusion of it and see what your body tells you. Mm, okay. Great. But again, remember that infusions are only made from dried herb. Yes. I'm in a very dry place, so that's great. You'll dry quick. Good. Thanks, Susan. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 603 area code. I didn't know. Okay, if I... Got in the line up the queue or not? I gotta. Whenever you press one, you're in the queue. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Oh my gosh, this is a wonderful night because um, so many of the callers um, had to do with what I'm. Um, some of my questions were. Um, First of all, um, one of my questions was, what do you put on your skin? And that was answered against mosquitoes and ticks. And you answered that with yarrow tincture. I was wondering, um, I did make some, but I, I think you have to wait, what, six weeks, is it? Um, so I was wondering what, if you have a suggestion what I could use. I mean, even if I have to purchase something now, um, because the mosquitoes and ticks are fierce here. And I wondered. It's very easy to buy yarrow tincture. Oh, it is. Okay, that's yeah. what you would recommend over DEET or anything else? Yes. Okay, okay, because I only want to use something that um, I can put on my skin. Something like DEET, I would probably, I mean, I definitely, if I had to use something toxic like that, I would only put it on my clothing. But you're saying, yeah, a tincture even works better than DEET? The U.S. Army says it works as well as DEET. Oh, great. Okay. So I can just spray that on my clothing as well as put it on my skin. That's right. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Now, I do have um, a question, another question regarding my nettle. Um, it got away from me. It's like up to my neck now. So if I cut that back, I didn't get to harvest any of it, unfortunately, and I've been working on um, getting a harvest for um, quite a few years. I finally moved it. I called you like a couple years ago and said it's not producing. So I finally moved it to another area, and now it's finally producing, um, you know, transplanted some because it doesn't grow naturally here. Um, so um, if I cut it down to the ground, will it produce more plants this year that I can harvest? Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. So I do cut it down to the ground then. Yes. And do I do can I do anything with these tall, long um 
stems that, you know, have seeds hanging down already? Can I do anything with those or just put them in my compost pile? Putting it in your compost pile is a fabulous thing to do. But if you don't want to put it in your compost pile, you can cut the stalks up small enough to fit into a five-gallon bucket. So you don't have to cut them very small, just small enough to fit into the bucket, cover them completely with water, put a lid on it, and let it sit for two or three weeks in the sun. When you open it, you should take a staggering step backwards because it will smell so bad. Oh, yeah. And we call it nettle rot. And we fill a watering can 25 to 30% full of nettle rot and then the rest with water. And we water all of our plants with it, and we don't use any other fertilizer. Oh, that's better than manure tea, what they call manure tea. Exactly. Oh, wonderful. So you don't make, make manure tea from your goat's poop? No. Oh, wow, this is, this is better. Wow. Okay, well, thank you so much for that. Now, we, just, um, we just take all the parts of the nettle that we can't use, stick them in water, rot them, and voila. Oh, my goodness, that's wonderful. You do, you do have to remember to wash your plants with nettle water and give it a couple of hours for the stink to dissipate. Okay. Like if you have plants around the house and so on, don't do it right before a party because it really does smell bad. <laughs> but the smell does dissipate pretty quickly within two or three hours, so just give yourself a little window of opportunity there. And is it okay to use that with every watering? It's not going, you can't overdo it? Of course you can overdo it. It's extremely protein-rich. I use it no more than every three to four weeks. Oh, once every three to four weeks. Oh, that's important to know. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. Now, um, uh, Rebecca um, said something about she was paranoid, and my phone uh, blurped out. I couldn't hear. What was she paranoid about getting? Was it poison ivy? Yes, poison ivy, poison oak. That's exactly what she was paranoid about getting. Oh, okay. And and the other thing um, that was brought up tonight was um, hypericum oil used against children's leg cramps. And I've been getting those cramps like three times a week. And um, I've just been, I, all I could think of to do was take a magnesium supplement, which is a natural magnesium relaxer. I just took half of one. But this is, I just got an idea tonight, and I'm so appreciative to rub the hypericum oil on my cramps. Yes. Hooray, Rebecca. Hooray, Rebecca. <laughs> thank you. And the, and the very most important question of all, thank you so much, Susan for being available is I sprained my ankle severely over a, a month and a half ago, went to the um, MD. They didn't want to take an x-ray right away. They said to come back in, a, in about a, a month if it's still bothering me. So I did. So I had an x-ray done a couple weeks ago, and they think that there is a, a small chip on part of the ankle bone, But I, and they suggested I... Um, go to a um, podiatrist, but I can't get an appointment for like three weeks and with one, and it was like I couldn't get one like till August with another. So I'm waiting for the three, uh, it's in July sometime, my appointment. So I was wondering if you could help me what to do to help that because it seems to have put my whole body out of whack. Now my knee has extreme pain, actually more pain than the ankle. And you also brought up that tonight, how a severe um, uh, sprain that inv- involves tendons, which mine definitely does because I rolled it. 
so I know it involves tendons. You know, it didn't even, I didn't even think it was that bad because it didn't hurt like the first 24 hours, and it doesn't hurt that much, but I have severe pain now in my knee and my hip and my lower back. So I knew it, I know it did put my whole body out of whack. So any suggestions, please? It might involve Comfrey, eh? I think you're right. I think Comfrey would be an excellent choice. I will tell you that my sense is that going to the doctor is putting your your life and your health at risk. I'm listening. What do you want the doctor to do? Do you want the doctor to cut your ankle open? No. And why are you going to a doctor? What do you think the doctor will do? The doctor will cut your ankle open or give you drugs. That's all the doctor can do. You're going to a doctor, that means you want surgery or drugs, right? No, no, because I'm not going to one that is a surgeon. That doesn't mean they can't refer you to a surgeon. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I'm not going to do that. So you're right. Like I need to think. This what through. is the doctor right going to do for you? Exactly. So that's why I need you to help me think this through. What would be better than doing? That's what that. I'm saying. Like, why go to a doctor? Yep, I'm listening. The doctor has anything you actually want? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. So let's work with Comfrey. Let's drink Comfrey infusion. Let's poultice your ankle with Comfrey. Let's use visualizations. I worked on a carpentry crew in my early years here in Woodstock as I couldn't make enough money as an herbalist. And one of the jobs that the crew I was working on did was the redoing of a house that had been redone. And it was a really old farmhouse, and it had been pretty much just taken apart and completely redone. All the windows had been redone and the doors and the the walls and the ceilings and new interior walls. And it was just totally, completely redone. And they were putting the last coat of polyurethane on the floor when somebody tripped over the task light, bringing it crashing onto the floor, which caused an explosion in the house, which blew out all the windows and caused a great ball of fire to blacken all the doors and paint and everything. So we were hired to come in and fix the mess. I spent the summer reglazing windows. They were 12-light windows, right? Not big panes of glass, but 12 lights, these little bitty things, all of which had been in this fire, and I had to chip out all the putty and replace it. It's quite the thing. And we had to re-sheet rock the entire house. At any rate, we were almost done when one of the members of the crew decided to adjust his sander, his belt sander, with his thumb. Duh! And the belt sander was very happy to chew his thumb off. In fact, he ate his thumb, so here he was with a belt sander on his thumb, and of course he shook it off, getting blood everywhere. We were so upset with him. Blood all over the nicely stained oak door, blood all over the ceiling, blood all over the walls, the windows, the floor. What a mess he made. Uh, So, of course, you know, we rushed him off to the hospital because it was pretty bad looking. And the doctors wrapped it up and said, well... Who knows what will happen? It may be that your thumbnail will never grow back, but at least you'll have a stump of a thumb. And I suggested that he do visualization, that he spend at least five minutes a day holding his good thumb right next to that one and imagining that under that bandage was a thumb that looked just like that. And when they took the bandage off, six weeks later, sure enough, there was a thumb that looked just like his other thumb. My goodness. So we have a tendency... 
to visualize the worst. You've been told there's a chip out of your bone. It's your tendency, as anybody's tendency to now envision that bone with a chip out of it. That's what I don't want to do. That's right. I want to, I should visualize That's going to happen unless we replace it with a different image. We literally must have an image of this ankle recreating itself in health. And we must understand that bones can remodel and rebuild and can be completely changed. And I can tell you story after story of injuries in which far worse happened to a joint, and the body was able to reestablish that joint and reestablish it in good health. Okay. I under- my understanding is the tendons are slower to heal. They are, are slower they to heal, but Comfrey's going to heal it. Comfrey will. Absolutely. Okay. Um, c- can I find – I've never really – done um known how to do poultices or anything like that um easiest way to poultice your ankle is after you make the comfrey infusion so you'll weigh out one ounce of dried comfrey leaf put it in a quart jar pour boiling water to the top of the jar stir it with a wooden spoon pour more water in till it's full put a lid on it let it steep for four hours or overnight whichever works for you strain it but don't squeeze it put the wet plant material in a saucepan and two cups of cold water into your quart jar, rinsing the rest of the herb out and putting that two cups of cold water over the herb in the saucepan, bringing it up to a boil, turning the fire off, a lid on it, and let it steep for four to six hours. Strain that, and that plant material can be used as a poultice. You can just use it right as it is, and you can pack it around your ankle. Or you can leave a little of the liquid with it and soak your whole foot and your ankle in the liquid in the comfrey. One of the things when my wrist was hurt was I took an old towel. Comfrey does stain. So I took an old kitchen towel, and I laid the comfrey on it and rolled it up like a jelly roll and put it in the freezer. I didn't freeze it solid. I just got it cold enough so that I could then wrap it around my wrist. And it had a little, you know, um, uh, it wasn't just... Floppy. It had a little turgor to it from being partly frozen, right? Mm-hmm. And the cold, of course, felt very, very good on my wrist. So those are just a few of the ways that you can make poultices, compresses from the comfrey material that you've used to make your infusion. That's wonderful. Now, do I use both of those infusions um, for the compress, the first one and the second one? In, in, drink is them. Is that what you're suggesting? You drink the, you drink the liquid. Oh, you want me to drink the first one? Drink the first one. And the second one. Oh, drink them both, and then just don't squeeze them out, but use the use both um, of those as a compress. Don't squeeze them out. You only have one ounce of plant material that you weighed out, so it's not a both. Yes, yes, I got that. Oh, and it just dawned on me, Susan. Thank you. That's excellent. I I really needed that 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 those specifics. And the reason why um, uh, now it comes to me for me to go to the, uh, um, um, the the second reading of the X-ray, so it's so the physical therapist would know what exercises to give me. They would like to see X-rays so that they can know what exercises to give me. Because certain exercises... What is, dif- what is going to be different between the first x-ray and the second x-ray? Excuse me? What difference will there be between the first x-ray that you had and the second x-ray? 
Oh, it was, they were just suggesting I get a second reading of the X-ray. I don't know if they just say that for their own protection. It's not a second X-ray. It's a second reading of it. It's just a second reading. You don't have to physically be present for someone to read your X-ray. Okay. okay. You do not have to show up anywhere. Anyone okay. can give you a second reading on that X-ray. Okay, so I could take the x-ray directly to a physical therapist is what I think I hear you saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. See, this means thinking on your own instead of just following what they tell you to do. Yes. Okay, Uh, because physical therapy would probably be a good idea, don't you think? I usually like to work with Comfrey for a couple of weeks before engaging in physical therapy. Did you say you suggest doing that? I like to use Comfrey for at least two weeks before engaging in physical therapy. Oh, okay. As you I will, said, well, tendons, I certainly have ligaments are, <laughs> tendons and ligaments are slow to heal. Yeah. And uh, they can reattach and heal well, but if they're Every time I've had an injury to a tendon or a ligament, I have always um, stabilized that joint and not moved it. Oh, my goodness. And I've been trying to stretch it like in bed in the morning, you know, doing side to sides and up and down with my foot. Uh-oh. Well, you did not move it like for how long? When I hurt my wrist, I kept my wrist immobilized for over a month. When I tore the ligaments off my kneecap, they put me in a cast from my hip to my ankle for three months. Uh-oh, I was doing the wrong thing. So uh, maybe an ankle brace would be in order for me and stop what I'm doing, stop the stretches immediately, don't do any more, an ankle brace, and with the comfrey. And, um, that comfrey. sounds better. Give those tendons and ligaments a chance to reattach and heal. Oh, Oh, I'm so glad I got through to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So welcome. They will heal, and they will get stronger, and once you've gotten enough strength there, then you can start to do physical therapy. But I give it a good two weeks or more, because I have yeah. like three weeks. Exactly. Okay, before I start right. to do anything, like even stretches by myself at home. That's that's my... That's worked. That's the plan that I have used, and it has been very successful. Oh, thank you I again. Was, I was pushed down on a set of steps, and my shoulder blade was detached from my body. The skin was intact, but my shoulder blade was detached. Oh, my. And I wrapped my arm up against my body, and I kept it that way for six weeks. Six weeks. Using a lot of comfrey during that time. It was a major injury. And then mm-hmm. when I started using the arm, I did only supported exercise, which meant in the water. Oh. And I brought that arm back by swimming. Did you also wait the, did you wait for the swimming? I mean, did you wait before the swimming too? Six weeks before I did any swimming at all. Six weeks before even the water exercises. Correct. Wow. Boy, I really screwed this one up. But I'm going to try to correct it right now. There you go. It just takes a while for those tendons and ligaments 
to get back together again. They're rather slow. It certainly is good, you know, to – I would not at this point uh, choose to have my joint immobilized as I did when I was quite young and didn't understand what had happened and how it was I had torn the ligaments off my kneecap. I just knew I was in hideous pain. Um and that that's what they were, said they were going to do, and so I let them do it. But I don't think that I benefited from being that immobilized when something is just taped to your body or, as you said, you know, in an ankle brace. There is some small movement that can get through there, and I think that those small movements are healthy. Are healthy. Small movements are fine. Small movements. In other words, I don't think that a cast is necessarily in order. Right, right. Right, unless there's, you know, real, you know, bone disarrangement that we might want to think about. And how many times a day do you think this compress is um, is beneficial or necessary? Well, it's obviously not necessary. The body can heal without it, but it's beneficial um, every time you use it. And whether that's once a day or several times a day is entirely up to you. The more you use it, the more benefit you get. The more t- the more I put compresses on, and d- and the temperature regarding um, from your previous caller, it seems as if whatever's comfortable for me. So either room temperature or cold or warm. Or warm is the area swollen at this point? Yes, it's still swollen. It's been swollen. If it's swollen, then yeah. usually cold is advised rather than hot. Oh, okay. Cold advised for swollen. Okay, and I probably need to continue this for months and months, huh? Usually, when there's a tendon or a ligament injury, the healing and then the rehabilitation can take months and months. Okay, and and the and taking the comfrey infusions internally, will it be harmful for me to drink drink that more often? Or or um, I noticed that you were telling another caller that you eventually, you know, would drink it. I think you said what the first three days or something you drank only or the first week you drank comfrey every day and then Correct. so for a week i should drink comfrey every day i'm going to try this because it works yep. for you it's not necessarily you should no 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 i i just want to do i'm not shooting on you and no, i no, no, of course not. should on yourself either <laughs> well, you dare do that. <laughs> if, it, if it seems to work with you and if your body says yes i can use this then please do uh-huh uh-huh but th- then definitely taper it off and, and continue with the other infusions with maybe a little bit more of that. Exactly what I do. So I'll listen to my body, got, learn to do that. You're such a good teacher, Susan. You're a wonderful student. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Green you, blessing. you too. And really, thank you so much for bringing this up because I think it's a very, very important point. What do we want from the doctor? We so frequently go to a doctor, and then we feel upset and disappointed because they offer us things we don't want. Yeah, so and my goal we need to, to ask to- ourselves before we go running off to the doctor, what yeah. do I want, and can the doctor give it to me? And very frequently, what you want, the doctor can't give you, so it's better just to stay away. Right, right. But now I know that the, I have something in my at least I know that the physical therapist will give me some things to help me, but after I've rested it, like you said, and done the compress. After, you, after you've given it some healing time, yes. Yes. Thank okay. You. Good night. Thanks so much for your call. 
dream blessings. Good night. Good dream blessings. We still have several people with questions. Um, I think we'll get to one or two more. So call okay. back in if we don't get to you next week. The next caller is coming from the 252 area code. Hi, Susan. Um, I had a lithos- I'm never going to say this word right, a lithotripsy on Friday. And so this is doctors and medicine and what was a necessary. I had a 10 millimeter stone embedded at the top of my ureter, I think it is, my right one. Um, so I had the procedure and um, apparently it was successful and I've been passing sandy gravel ever since. Um, and I've been trying to compensate and not have to take some of the things I was prescribed, like Oxycontin and Flomax. It's apparently not even approved for women. Um, so I'm taking chickweed tincture, and I was interested in your thoughts about goldenrod tincture. And these are all made by me, plants grown by me, so it's done 100-proof alcohol in your suggested ways. Oxycontin is painkiller. Yeah, I know. And, and I know. none of the things that you've mentioned are painkillers. Are you in pain? Okay, so, well, what I did for the pain, and it was extremely successful, I had a, a, I have skullcap tincture and I have skullcap oil. And I rubbed skullcap oil in the area where the sound wave hit and where I would have been abrazed. And um, it really worked. I took Yay. one. I took one hydrocodone the first day, and from there, that's just what I used. All right. Hooray for Skullcap. Yeah. So thrilled to do that. And then Flomax is a diuretic? Flomax is what they give men who have um, non-cancerous enlarged prostates to help them flow. And what they said, the reason they would prescribe it for me, and my primary care did as soon as we saw that there was a, a stone there, um, and, and I didn't take it. Um, she said that it acts as an anti-inflammatory, too, so that it would help keep everything from becoming, I mean, obviously, they didn't want me to block while I was waiting to have this done. And afterwards, they said it would help to speed the progression of, this, of the gravel. Um, so well, I obviously I would, wanted to I prevent would think the that instead of that, that corn silk would be a good choice. I heard you talk about that earlier. Okay. That's a very that that would be nice and I can just go to the store and buy years of corn now. Exactly. I was going to say and in most places corn is starting to come on the market and so you can just get some good organic corn and just take the silk off and dry it. Okay. And then brew it up. It's remarkably relieving for all of the urinary tract things. Nettle, of course, is a big healer to the kidneys. Okay, so as soon as I found out that I, well, I, I knew I was, I've had gravel and stony things all my life, and as soon as I felt this and knew my, I, I needed the nettle for all kinds of energy level issues and having been overrun through some of the last few months. So I was using nettle, and I was using nettle more than once a week. And, um, and then when they started to talk about the composition of the stone and needing to analyze that, my other question in this on this issue was, is nettle safe if it's building calcium? And I'm not sure if I understand the biology of that well enough. Well, let's do a brief organic chemistry lesson. Okay. Calcium is completely unusable by any living thing. No plant, no animal, no human can use calcium. Okay. 
Calcium is an element, and that means that it has an intact electron cloud. Okay. Calcium must be acted on. That electron cloud must be broken open, and it has to bond with something else in order to be usable. Okay. So if it bonds to lactate, then it's calcium lactate. If it bonds okay. to ascorbate, then it's calcium ascorbate. If it bonds to citrate, then it's calcium citrate. Okay. There are hundreds of a different lot of options. There are hundreds of different forms of calcium. Okay. The form of calcium that's sold as a supplement. It has the same composition as chalk and tends to increase brittleness and stones throughout the body. Huh. All right. So that's definitely not recommended. So I would never recommend anyone taking any mineral supplement of any kind, and especially not a calcium supplement. Okay. And I don't. Nettle, however, um, contains hundreds of these active forms of calcium. So it's not a calcium supplement in that way, and it's not going to cause the formation of gravel. Okay. So get back on it <laughs> because it's really good for my recovery right now, and um, this was quite a hit. It's heroic, all right. I've had to be a little bit of a hero to get through it. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I started to look into, you know, as soon as I found out that I had this, I started to, you know, look just online to what you had to say about it. And one of the first things I heard was a podcast where you talked about Michael Moore dying. And I thought, okay, so maybe I just need to do this because I shouldn't mess around with trying to dissolve this. And, um, I, I now need to think about preventing these as I go forward. Um, and honestly, my gut is, is that nettle keeps my kidneys healthy and that's probably my best, you know, um, um, I've worked in nature a long time, and what I know is, is, is promoting health is better than curing an illness. So I'm thinking that that's going to be my route if you have just... I absolutely agree with you. Okay. Um, so lots of nettle and um, corn silk, I'll introduce that infusion. Um, comfrey, I figure I'm beaten up inside all over the place, and that that might just be nice to have. Um, and... Um, Remember, we started this evening talking about the wonderful anti-inflammatory effects of linden. Yeah, well, and and I I can grow comfrey. I have a very I'm in the southeast, and I'm far enough east that I can't I can't grow healthy linden trees here. There aren't any. Um, so I, I use comfrey. I've got violet. I've got um, you know I, I know that linden is probably superior, but I think that in, I've heard you mention that you. Had used you know, and, and moved to I buy herb. I'm not sure why you're restricting yourself to not buy herb. A pound of linden is under twenty five dollars. Well, and I, yeah, okay. So I mean, that's smart. I I buy nettle. I can't grow nettle here. Um, there you go. Um, okay, so grab some. Yes, linden I certainly. It's point. worth buying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And with that, I think that we need to say yes, green blessing and thank, thank you, you to each other. And to okay. make a way for Laureen and Astrid to come and play with us and to talk to us about the Red Earth Gathering. Astrid Grove is the founder and organizer of the Red Earth Herbal Gathering. She celebrates life with her husband, her two daughters, 
her two cats, and her many, many chickens. Her passion lies in facilitating and supporting women's empowerment through midwifery, hands-on healing, plant medicines, and ceremony. You can find out more about what Astrid does at www.astridgrove.com. Lorene Robotic will be co-facilitating the Red Tent and the Red Earth Herbal Gathering this year, as well as co-facilitating the community-wide coming-of-age ceremony. Lorene is the author and the founder and director of Feet on the Earth, the nonprofit organization in Boulder, Colorado. Her work focuses on creating regenerative culture and community by mentoring children into healthy young adults through deep nature connection and community-based rites of passage. Lorene recently completed a memoir and is currently working on a guide for parents and community members about how to create powerful coming-of-age ceremonies for girls and adulthood initiations for women. Astrid, Lorene, what a delight to get to have both of you on the show this evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yes. Thank thank you, Susan. It's wonderful to be here. Gosh, it's been a long time since we've done an interview together, so this is fun. No, I embrace you and reach out to you and see your face so clearly before me. Of course, I see you as, what, 10 or 15 years younger, but that's okay. I'm sure you can tell me. I I look just the same, just a little more gray hair. (laughs) Just a little more gray hair. Now, I have in front of me a postcard, and it says, Red Earth Herbal Gathering, Women, Plants, Community. Red Earth Herbal Gathering is a sacred ceremonial container created by and for women to honor and activate our inherent life-nurturing power. We gather together to learn from and inspire each other through ceremony, workshops, deep healing, and community building. By recognizing the beauty and the power of what it is to be women doing our sacred work, our life's calling, we step into our collective potential to support the great turning of our planet at this time. What a beautiful statement of purpose. This gathering this year is September 13th, 14th, and 15th at Peaceful Meadows Retreat. And, wow, this is the fourth year you've been doing this gathering. What inspires you to keep doing it, Astrid? It's a lot of work like this. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Uh, I was just also wanting to say I feel Leela so much in that statement of intention, just wanting to call her in because her and I started this gathering together four years ago and organized it the first two years. Yay, Leela. And we organized it the first two years together and um, she stepped away from organizing, but she does hold a lot still um, in the gathering. But yeah, just feeling her and wanting to send a shout out. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think largely what what inspires me to continue is that there is nothing else like this here in the Mountain West, um, I lived in the Northeast and would attend the Women's Herbal Gathering, the Northeast Women's Herbal Gathering, and I lived in California and would attend the Northern California Women's Herbal Gathering. And when I moved here, there was, there was no women's gathering at all and no specific women's herbal gathering. And so that's what inspired Leela and I to start the gathering and what continu- you know, inspires me to continue to keep it going. 
um, it brings the women in this community together. It's largely Colorado women, but we're definitely um, doing our best to try to reach out to women, you know, who want to come from all over the place, but specifically the Mountain West, so that there's a drivable women's herbal that women can come to around here. Right. Great answer. And Lorene, tell us a little bit about your involvement in coming-of-age ceremonies. You're going to be doing a coming-of-age ceremony at this year's Red Earth Gathering, yes? Yes. So the focus of my work over the last, I guess, 10 to 15 years has been connecting children with nature with a focus on girls and adolescent coming-of-age ceremonies that are nature-based. And so when Astrid started the gathering, I'm realizing that we met each other at your place, Susan, um, when I was teaching and Astrid was your intern. So that's kind of fun. And she moved to Boulder and she started this gathering. And we said, I said, how can I help? And so we had this idea to create some kind of coming-of-age ceremony for the girls because that was one of the things Astrid had experienced at the Northern California Women's Herbal Conference. And so the first year we really didn't have any girls to do a ceremony with, and we realized that we actually needed to build a culture and a community for that and a container with the women. So we've, for the last three years we've done a, just an initiation ceremony for all the women present who want to step into it wherever they are in their life so that we can have initiated women so that as we bring more girls into the Are you still there? It looks like she should still be there. The phone is still connected. Now there's no sound. Hmm. Let's see if I can reconnect them. Are you there, Astrid? Oh, off their calls, I think. Oh, here we go. Hold on. No. <laughs> She says she's dialing. Okay, she's dialing right back in. I oh, Lorraine! Yeah, it was just Lorraine who dropped. Okay, good. Yeah, Lorraine dropped. Astrid's still here. She's dialing back in, so she'll be back. Um, okay. But I was also just thinking about how, you know, as soon as you started talking, Susan, and I heard your voice, and then I heard Lorraine's, and it did bring me back to when we were all together at the Wise Women Center, and that was 18 years ago. I just time is always amazing to me. <laughs> Is, isn't like it that long ago? That <laughs> yeah. long ago. Were you there on one yeah. of those wonderful journeys when uh, Lorene took us all out into the woods and then blindfolded us? I was, in fact. That was a life-defining and life-changing moment for me. And it's wonderful that I now get to sit in this women's community with Lorene, like, on a regular basis. We get to be together and she teaches my children and yeah, it's, it's amazing to see Susan, just what you've created with who you are in the world and how all of us women who have learned from you are now just these pillars together standing and, and supporting women to really come into their power. It's, I just, I love you so much for that. Thank you. And you know, I see the same thing too, because I see on every side women's gatherings being chipped away at, and women being told, no, you can't just gather with women. And I see those shining beacons of the women's herbal gatherings. And yes, indeed, every woman's herbal gathering 
except for the northeast one, um, is currently run by a past apprentice of mine. Wow. And the northeast one was started by past apprentices, but it has since passed on to other hands. Mm-hmm. And it so does my surprising. heart. It does my heart <laughs> a lot of good to see these conferences, as the Red Earth Conference does, really support women being together and the magic that occurs when women come into circle and really listen to each other. I mean, that that really is my answer of why I keep doing it, because I see year after year what women look like at the end of the weekend and then hearing from them how gathering in that way has changed their lives in all of these amazing and powerful ways, just like living with you and learning from you has changed all of our lives in all of those ways. So it's like we're passing on what you have passed on to us. And so it will all keep turning and turning. So it's a beautiful thing. Lorene is back. Lorene is back. Hey, Lorene, you want to pick up that sentence midstream there? Yes, can you tell me where you lost me? My cheek decided to merge somebody else onto the call, and I didn't know it until it started ringing Uh their phone number. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that technical glitch. Uh, it's quite okay. You were talking about um, that you wanted to have a ceremony for young women coming into their womanhood. And, of course, June is the strawberry moon, and that's in my yes. area. The First Peoples, um, that's when they did their initiations into womanhood during June um, yes. because strawberries were deeply involved there. And, of course, this area is was at white contact just chock a block in wild strawberries still is we had a great strawberry bloom uh this spring and looking forward to some strawberries this june as well great but but that there weren't very many young women women who were interested in that and that you also realized that you needed more adult women women to be initiated and so you're doing two initiations you're doing an initiation for adult women and you're doing an initiation for women who are just coming into their moons. Yes. And right now in the gathering, they're woven together, which is what we've done for the last three years, um, so that we can build that community of women and also attract more young women, girls coming of age, having their moms bring them to the gathering. So uh, this year is, I think, the first year, correct me if I'm wrong about that, Astrid, that we actually have specific programming for girls in that kind of 9 to 13 bracket, so kind of those pre-adolescent coming of age years to start to build that community of girls. We had a couple girls last year who were 10 come to the gathering and we realized there wasn't really a place for them other than, of course, there's a place for them in the community, you know, but there wasn't a specific uh, landing place for them. So we have more classes for that age group and specific activities for them that's separate than our wonderful children's area, which is more for children seven and under. Yes, and I see this at all of the women's herbal gatherings, is that they started out with kind of, well, we're women, we need child care, and then a program for the children. And then the children got older, and they said, well, we need different programs. And then and I put a lot of this to your wonderful work, Laureen, that more and more people are recognizing that community-based coming-of-age ceremony is important for everybody, not just the girls. Yes, and that's a big part of the conversation is what are we initiating girls into, right? 
there has to be something to be initiated into to have an initiation ceremony. So we are really focused in these in these recent years at Red Earth at creating that community of women who are also initiated into their womanhood to welcome those girls into. Yes, at the Strawberry Moon Ceremony, one of the things that is said to the young women who have started their moon, started their menses during that year, is that they now hold the future of the mm-hmm. entire community within their own bodies, and that who they choose to experience sexual pleasure with is going to have an effect on everyone, not just themselves. Wow, that's profound. That's a great teaching for girls who are coming of age. Right. To to because to me this is the real step into adulthood and what distinguishes us from children to adults is that as children we may be aware of the community but the community supports us when we step into adulthood now we become part of the community that supports those who need support right and so we are impacting the community in a different way um, and we have a lot of responsibility with that in a different way If someone comes to the Red Earth Herbal Gathering, what would they find there? Do you want to talk about that, Astrid, and then maybe Lorene wants to add to that? Sure. Um, Well, we have uh, this year um, we're intending to have about 150 women on the land, which includes the young ones. The, the young girls and boys are welcome to come until their eighth birthday. Um, so we have little boys running around, children, women of all ages. We have elders as well. And one of the aspect of the gathering that I love so much is called the Sacred Gateway. And um, this is a place where women can come and set their intention for the gathering as well as release whatever that they're ready to release to be able to step in. You know, we look at the gathering as a ceremonial container for women to walk into for the weekend and do their, their growth work, to do their, their work, whatever that looks like for them um, at that time in their lives. And it can be surprising what can come up. And so this is just a nice ceremonial way to start the weekend off saying, this is what I'm ready to let go of. This is what I'm ready to call in. And all of the spaces within the gathering are held by women. So there's women that hold the sacred gateway. And then we have the red tent and there's women that hold the red tent and make sure when women are coming in there, they know that there's someone there that can be a presence for them if they need some support. We also have a womb room where women can receive um, a yoni steam, a vaginal steam, and a circle of women, a guided steam. That's, um, women love that. It's very nurturing. And all the women sleep on the land for the weekend. We have two nights of camping. Um, or it's at a beautiful retreat center, so there's also rooms that women can rent. And basically, you know, the first day women are all getting there. Then we sleep one night. Then the next day, you know, we're going to workshops and we're at the marketplace, all these amazing vendors, and the kids are playing. There's a lake, lots of trees. Some women are just lying about in the sun. Others are in the red tent. Um, you know, some people are drinking the amazing amounts of teas and infusions that we provide so that everyone feels so nourished on many different levels. And then during the evenings, we have fire ceremonies and dancing and performances like Bethy Lovelight will perform again this year. We have 
um, you know, just so many amazing performers. So, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like and feels like. Lorene, did you have anything from your perspective you want to add? I think it's a beautiful description. I was just remembering how <laughs> nourishing it felt every year to be there. Uh, I've been at the gathering every year, and one year it was right after a lot of really tumultuous things happened in my life, and I remember how nourishing it felt to just simply be in that wonderful space and that wonderful energy. And maybe I can just expand a little more on the red tent. Um, so Leela and I will be holding the red tent, and it's a beautiful space uh, inside a, I don't know, what is it, about a 20, 24-foot teepee that's on the land. So we're using an existing structure on the land. It's circular, and we uh, create this beautiful space inside with comforters and red pillows and red fabric and an altar and flowers and a little self-care station with um, grounding sprays and, you know, rescue remedy cream and things like that. And it's really just a, a nurturing space for women to go into uh, any time that they need to just rest and ground and nourish themselves. You don't have to be actively menstruating. Uh, it could be for uh, postmenopausal women, women who are in their cycling years. Um, some of the girls spent a lot of time in their last year really just enjoying that. And we've decided this year to have certain times when it's open to the girls who aren't menstruating yet, just kind of anyone and times when it's just for uh, girls who girls and women who have already started menstruating or who are past their menstrual years. Um, and there'll be some offerings like foot massage or just quiet times to sit. And Leela and I and some other women will be kind of tending it on a rotating schedule and kind of the breaks between workshops. So that if someone needs someone to connect to or some kind of support, there will be uh, women there to help tend to them and maybe bring them some tea or, you know, whatever it is that's needed. But mostly it's a space just to go and be quiet and listen to ourselves and we'll have some divination tools in there as well. So it should be a really lovely space. It was gorgeous last year, and I feel really honored to be working with Lita to support the women in our community this way. Yes, I remember um, all of the things that both of you have been talking about with great delight from the time that I was there, that wonderful entrance archway and the just the, the sense of, of leaving behind ordinary life and going through this magical um, entranceway into a altered state, into a different place where I got to be with women for three days. And the incredible dancing and music and fun that we had in the evenings. And, of course, one of the highlights that neither one of you has mentioned was the fabulous food and infusion. People often say to me, well, how do you drink infusion when you're on the road? And I say, well, my overall plan is to teach enough people how to make infusion that it'll just be served to me wherever <laughs> I am. And that's exactly what happens at the Red Earth Gathering. <laughs> yes, there's plenty of wonderful tea available, and the food is really just outstanding. I mean, we have a team of people that just do the tea and infusion. I was at an herbal gathering last year, and I couldn't find any tea or infusion at all. I was there for five days, and there was, like, tea bags in the dining hall. And I was like, and this is why we do what we do at Red Earth, because I want everyone to feel what it feels like to drink nettles all day, you know, and to drink oat straw all day, and to just, you know, there's just, it never runs out. 
it's like you know Red Earth is basically my dream reality. (laughs) 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 When I go there, I'm like, this is it. This is it, you know, just as much infusion as you want, just amazing food, for, especially as a woman with small children. We're there. We don't have to do any dishes. We don't have to feed ourselves this amazing homemade food or the teas. It's just really, like Lorraine said, nourishing. It's restful. It's basically whatever you need it to be. I mean, some women are just like wild poets just screaming their amazing art for everyone to hear and then there's other women that like don't talk for the weekend they just had a quiet weekend where they just observed and you know took in all this information maybe it was a brand new experience they'd never experienced like this kind of thing before so it's really whatever we all need it to be and that's one beautiful thing about women gathering together in general it is that there is time and space and support for when we want to be out and jumping around and when we want to be in and quiet, there's the red tent and there's a performance area and there's a place to get some nourishing herbal infusion and there's a place to wander off um, and just observe others. It really provides very beautifully for whatever experience a woman needs at that point. If um, if women are saying, well, let me go. How do I even go? What can we tell them? How do they find out more about this? They can go to our website, which is just www.redearthherbalgathering.com. And tickets are for sale there for the whole weekend. It's three days, two nights of camping, five meals prepared. And all the other things we've mentioned are all included. We also have work exchange opportunities, and application for that is on our website. And we also have been, um, we upped our game for scholarships this year. We already have almost enough fundraised for five scholarships, that's five free tickets. And we do that by having two monthly gatherings, which is both a fundraiser and also a way to keep the community connected throughout the year because just having it once a year. Um, just didn't feel like enough gathering um, and community building. And so we've, we do one red tent a month for the dark moon. We do one Yoni steam circle a month for the full moon. Um, and then both of those are fundraisers. And so through doing those fundraisers and also just random um, people donating money, which you can do on our website too, we have um, almost five free tickets to give away, which is amazing. And so you can apply for those scholarships on the website as well. So that's redearthherbalgathering.com. And you can find out about scholarships. You can find out about signing up. You can find out um, about the place. You are at a new place. Yes. So we were at one, we were on basically on a working farm the first two years. And then last year and now this year, we are at a retreat center, and it is called Peaceful Meadow Retreat, and it is the land of the late Hannah Kroger, who um, in this area was, was basically the herbalist here, um, and she helped a lot of people move through um, into wellness 
in the community. She's very well respected here. Her grandson, Alberto, now runs the land. And the land is really um, incredible. It is, there's lots of shade. There's lots of water. There's lots of fairies. I mean, you can feel her welcoming the women. It was like she wanted us there all along. And every step along the way, it's just a welcoming feeling. And everyone felt it the first year that we were there last year. Felt the difference um, being there on her land. There's lots of herbs planted there and wild plants and gardens and shade. And it's, it's, um, it's a lot more feminine than the other land that we were on, which was also very supportive and wonderful. Um, but it was like definitely th- this spot is our spot. So um, we're right. really, we're really other, grateful to be there. The other spot really was red earth. And this sounds more green. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. Colorado has the other was, yeah it was very full sun not a lot of shade the last spot yeah this is definitely more nurturing more more places to it was it's more restful and especially the year you were there Susan it was like the weekend before the solar eclipse and it yes. was like a million degrees it, <laughs> it was, was crazy not all right <laughs> Well, we have now we consult with an astrologer. <laughs> we always I, consult with an astrologer before picking our dates. Okay. Um, Believe it or not, yeah. we've come to the last five minutes of our time together, and usually I like to give my guests the last minute to say something. But since there's two of you, I'm going to give each one of you a last minute. Either whoever wants to go first is fine with me. What do you want to leave? in the hearts and minds of the women who are listening, Astrid, Loreen. I can jump hey, in. Somebody jump in and be first. It's okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll let Astrid have the last word since she's the founder of the gathering. I think what I really want to leave women with is a invitation to certainly join us for the Red Earth Herbal Gathering and all it has to offer, and also to really what the invitation of Red Earth is, is to find a community of women where you live, where you can celebrate being female, you can celebrate your connection to the earth, you can deepen your relationship with the plants, you can deepen your relationship with the community of women, and you can find a welcoming home for your girls as they come of age, because that's really what Red Earth is about, and that's the message we want to spread and that we want to support all around the world for all women, knowing that not everybody can be in Boulder, Colorado in September this year. So that's my words. So please join us or please find other ways to do the same where you are with the people near you. So join you in physical body or join you in spirit um, by literally finding in a, even a very small way a way to celebrate yourself and your connection to the com- greater community of women. Mm. Well said. <laughs> Just repeating what And Astrid. Ooh, I love that, Lorene. Yes, it is so much about, <clears throat> um, yeah, creating community within our communities in larger and smaller ways. Um, of course, there are women that live here and that move away or, like me, move around quite a lot. And so I've lived in a lot of different communities. And, I, you know, I, I've always appreciated um, being mentored, like by you, Susan, and you, Lorene. And I also love mentoring. And so I've, I've 
you know, come across women who have left this community and have moved somewhere else and they want to start something like this. And yeah, I just want us to, you know, just say in support, you know, not necessarily direct mentoring, but like you can do it if you want to do it. It's a lot of work, but it's so worth it to live within a thriving women's community, like the whole family um, and the whole world and your whole community will thrive more when, when the women are healthy and thriving in our lives, there's just, there's just more joy. There's just more fullness and more abundance. So yeah, just for the men listening to like support your women and your girls in any way you can to attend some events like this and see how it trickles through to everyone's lives. Um, yeah. The boys that come to red earth, they are so bombed when they turn eight. <laughs> they uh, are <laughs> well, Ashley Grove and Lorene Wapitik, thank you so much for all that you are doing to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients, and especially through the Red Earth Herbal Gathering. It's been a very, very wonderful, wonderful evening to get to talk to the two of you. Not nearly enough, but okay, we'll cope with and Rebecca, stalwart Rebecca, back there behind the scenes. We know you're there. We love you lots. And Justine, who's been suffering from some vile flu, we love you too. Green blessings to everybody. And remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. Love you, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.